Welcome to As Yet Unexplained, the podcast that explores the mysteries and unexplained events that have captivated our imaginations for years. Today we delve into the controversial topic of the Battle of Los Angeles, also known as the Great Los Angeles Air Raid. This incident took place in the early morning hours of February the 25th, 1942, during the height of World War II when major cities along the Pacific coast of the United States were on high alert for incoming enemy attacks. In Los Angeles, the city was blacked out, and searchlights pierced the sky in search of possible enemy planes. Suddenly, the silence was broken by deafening explosions as the military opened fire on something in the dark skies above. The panicked city was under attack, and 1,400 anti-aircraft shells were fired into the air, causing widespread panic and confusion. Initially, the military authorities believed that the attack was by the Japanese, but later they attributed it to a false alarm and wartime nerves. The incident caused widespread panic and confusion among the city's residents, and the truth behind the events has been a subject of debate and speculation among UFO enthusiasts and conspiracy theorists. Some believed that this was the largest mass UFO sighting in history, and the incident has since become a staple of UFO mythology. Witness accounts and declassified documents have shed new light on this incident, reigniting the debate surrounding the true nature of the affair. However, the official explanation remains that the incident was caused by a weather balloon or a misidentified commercial aircraft, and most historians and military experts consider it to be a case of friendly fire or mass hysteria, caused by wartime nerves. Join us as we explore the different theories surrounding the Battle of Los Angeles, from the alleged cover-up by the government to the possibility of extraterrestrial involvement. It's a story of mystery, confusion and intrigue that has captivated the world for over 80 years. Before we begin, we would like to provide a brief warning the subject matter we'll be discussing in this episode may contain unsettling descriptions and could be distressing for some listeners. We advise caution if you are easily affected by such content. However, if you are feeling brave and curious, please sit back and immerse yourself in this mysterious tale. We value your support and would like to encourage you to like, subscribe or leave a review on your preferred platform if you have enjoyed this episode. 
We are also interested in hearing your thoughts. However, we would like to remind our listeners that with every story, there are always victims. So please spare a moment to reflect on those who have been affected by these unexplained phenomena. December the 7th, 1941, the Imperial Japanese Navy launched a surprise military attack against the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. The attack, which began early in the morning and lasted for two hours, involved a coordinated strike of over 350 Japanese aircraft on various naval and air installations on the island. The aim of the attack was to disable the United States Pacific Fleet and prevent American intervention in Japan's planned military campaigns across the Pacific. The attack resulted in extensive damage to the US fleet, with eight battleships, three cruisers and four destroyers either destroyed or severely damaged. More than 2,400 Americans were killed and over 1,000 others were wounded in the attack. The damage was so extensive that it took the US Navy several years to fully recover and rebuild its Pacific fleet. The attack on Pearl Harbor had a profound impact on the American psyche and was a turning point in World War II. It prompted the United States to declare war on Japan, bringing the country into the global conflict that had already been raging in Europe for several years. The event also marked the beginning of the Pacific War, which lasted until the defeat of Japan in August 1945. The White House announces Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. This is CBS in America calling Honolulu. Go ahead, Honolulu. This is CBS in America calling Honolulu. Go ahead, Honolulu. Go ahead, Honolulu. We'd like to now try to call in Manila, the capital of the Philippine Commonwealth. Go ahead, Manila. In the months following the attack on Pearl Harbor, public outrage and paranoia intensified across the United States, especially on the West Coast, where fears of a Japanese attack or invasion were acknowledged as realistic possibilities. Anti-aircraft guns were installed, bunkers were built, and air raid precautions were drilled into the populace all over the country. The paranoia was fueled by the fact that many American merchant ships were attacked by Japanese submarines in waters off the west coast. This, coupled with rumors that a Japanese aircraft carrier was cruising off the coast of San Francisco Bay Area, and Japanese submarines lurking along the southeast Alaskan coast, resulted in the imposition of blackouts and other civil defense measures 
across the West Coast. Following the attack, the US military received many tips from the Japanese-American community regarding potential attacks on the US mainland. These tips were taken seriously by the US military, leading to a series of high alerts in coastal defenses from February the 7th to March the 15th, 1942, stretching from Seattle to San Diego. However, there were suspicions about the accuracy of the tips, so some believed that a disinformation campaign might have been coordinated by the Japanese to tie down American troops on the mainland. The US military was cautious about the tips, but they still took the necessary precautions to protect the country from any potential attacks. On February the 19th, 1942, President Roosevelt issued Executive Order 9066, empowering the military to exclude any and all persons from designated military areas. This was the first step towards the forced removal of Japanese Americans from the West Coast, which is still a month away. The executive order was issued due to concerns about the loyalty of Japanese Americans and the possibility of espionage. The Santa Cruz Morning Sentinel published an editorial on February the 19th, 1942, stating that every Japanese in the US was a potential threat to national security. The editorial suggested that the doctrine of the rising sun made Japanese Americans a potential army already planted behind the American lines. This editorial reflected the rising anti-Japanese sentiment in the US, which led to the forced relocation and internment of Japanese Americans. Contributing to the paranoia was the fact that many American merchant ships were indeed attacked by Japanese submarines in waters off the west coast, especially from December 1941 to February 1942. On February the 23rd, 1942, a tip was received stating that a Japanese attack would occur that night somewhere along the Pacific seaboard. The tip heightened the sense of paranoia and fear among the American public. The Elwood oil field in Goleta, California was the target of a Japanese attack on February the 23rd, 1942, just a few months after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. This attack, which was the first on the continental United States during World War II, caused significant damage to the oil field and surrounding areas. The attack on the Elwood oil field was carried out by a Japanese submarine, the I-17, which was patrolling the waters off the coast of California. The submarine fired a total of 16 shells at the oil field, with at least two hitting their target. The attack occurred in the early hours of the morning when most of the workers of the oil field were asleep. The first shell hit a pump house, causing minor damage. The second shell, however, struck one of the oil storage tanks, causing it to catch fire. The fire quickly spread to two other tanks, causing a massive inferno which could be seen for miles. The flames were so intense that they melted the paint off nearby cars and ignited a nearby grove of eucalyptus trees. The damage to the Elwood oil field was significant. In addition to the three burning oil tanks, several other tanks were damaged and had to be taken out of service. The attack also caused a significant loss of oil, 
which spilled into the ocean and caused an oil slick that stretched for miles. The oil slick killed numerous marine animals and birds and caused extensive damage to the local ecosystem. In addition to the damage to the oil field itself, the attack also had an impact on the surrounding area. The town of Galita, which was just a few miles away from the oil field, was plunged into darkness as the flames lit up the sky. The attack also caused widespread panic among the local population, many of whom feared that this was just the beginning of a full-scale invasion. The attack had caught the country off guard, and there was a sense of fear and uncertainty about what would come next. This was especially true on the west coast, where the city of Los Angeles was particularly vulnerable to attack due to its location on the Pacific Ocean. For the first months of 1942, the tension in Los Angeles was palpable. The city's shipbuilding industry had grown rapidly, from just 1,000 employees two years earlier to 22,000. This growth had made the city a prime target for Japanese fleets, who could disrupt the critical supply lines that were essential to the war effort. The fear of an attack on Los Angeles was further fueled by rumors of submarines and unidentified aircraft spotted off the coast. The sense of fear and uncertainty was not limited to Los Angeles alone. Across the country, civil defense measures were put in place in anticipation of potential attacks. The United States mobilized for the war effort with millions of men and women joining the armed forces and working in various industries to support the war effort. The country was united in its determination to defend itself and its allies from the Axis powers. Despite the civil defense measures and the mobilization of the country for war, the fear and uncertainty persisted. The Elwood oil field attack served to further fuel the already existing anti-Japanese sentiment in the US. In the weeks that followed, more Japanese Americans were forced to leave their homes and were relocated to internment camps. The attack on Pearl Harbor and the subsequent events that followed had a significant impact on the lives of Japanese Americans and the country's history. It is a reminder of the importance of respecting civil liberties and human rights, even in times of war. The event. The night of the 24th slash 25th of February 1942 was one that would be remembered in infamy for the many people of Southern California. It was a night when unidentified objects caused a succession of alerts leading to a state of fear and uncertainty. The events of that night were described in great detail by witnesses and officials, but even after all these years, the true nature of what happened that night remains a mystery. The events began on the evening of February the 24th, when a warning was issued by naval intelligence that an attack could be expected within the next 10 hours. That evening, many flares and blinking lights were reported from the vicinity of defence plants. An alert was called at 7.18pm Pacific Time, which was lifted at 10.23pm, and the tension was temporarily relaxed. However, 
Early in the morning on the 25th, renewed activity began. At around 1.45 a.m., the newly developed coastal radar picked up an unidentified aerial target 120 miles west of Los Angeles, heading straight towards the city. Two more radar sites confirmed the object at 2.15 a.m., and by 2.25 a.m., the city's air raid warning system went off. Anti-aircraft batteries were alerted at 2.15 a.m. and were put on green alert, ready to fire, a few minutes later. The Army Air Forces, AFF, kept its pursuit planes on the ground, preferring to await indications of the scale and direction of any attack before committing its limited fight of force. As the mysterious object tracked in from the sea, it seemed to have vanished, but the information center was flooded with reports of enemy planes. At 2.43 a.m., planes were reported near Long Beach, and a few minutes later, a coast artillery colonel spotted about 25 planes at 12,000 feet over Los Angeles. At 3.06 a.m., a balloon carrying a red flare was seen over Santa Monica, and four batteries of anti-aircraft artillery opened fire, whereupon the air over Los Angeles erupted like a volcano. From this point on, reports were hopelessly at variance. These inconsistencies in eyewitness reports only add to the confusion surrounding the events that occurred that night. While some claimed to see formations of planes, others saw nothing of the sort. It is possible that these differences in perception could be attributed to the confusion and panic of the situation. Despite the inconsistencies, the eyewitness reports still provide valuable information about what may have occurred that night. Some eyewitnesses described a strange whitish sphere, like a large balloon, which has led some to speculate that the object was a weather balloon or some other type of experimental military aircraft. However, it is unclear why such an aircraft would cause the level of panic and chaos that was observed that night. Others have suggested that the sightings could have been an extraterrestrial craft. As the city's residents began to take cover and prepare for an attack, those in areas from Santa Monica southward to Long Beach watched as tracer bullets and shells fired into the air. This was the first real show of the Second World War on the United States mainland, as described by the New York Times the following day. Many were scared and nervous, with some believing that an invasion was actually beginning to happen. In the aftermath of the attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941, the anti-aircraft batteries in Los Angeles were on high alert and scanning the skies for any signs of Japanese planes. Just a few months later, on February the 25th, 1942, the gunners were ordered to be on green alert status one, which meant they were authorized to fire at any perceived targets without further verification. This order proved to be disastrous as the gunners fired at targets that were not verified, leading to shells coming down in neighborhoods and causing a number of deaths. 
the situation quickly escalated with over 250 anti-aircraft guns unleashing a barrage of fire into the sky, with the resulting shells coming down in neighborhoods and causing casualties among the civilian population. The lead paragraphs from one National Wire Service report were as follows. Anti-aircraft guns thundered over the metropolitan area early Wednesday for the first time in the war. But hours later, what they were shooting at remained a military secret. An unidentified object moving slowly down the coast from Santa Monica was variously reported as a balloon and an airplane. Some observers claimed to have seen two planes over Long Beach. Army intelligence, although uncommunicative, scoffed at reports of civilian observers that as many as 200 planes were over the area. A second National Wire report also stated that anti-aircraft guns fired round after round of ammunition and tracer bullets at the unidentified object which moved slowly down the coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of the rich Signal Hill oil field early today. Army officials declined to comment, but speculation quickly arose that an enemy blimp might have passed over the area. This was based on the fact that the objects required nearly 30 minutes to travel some 20 or 25 miles, far slower than an airplane. Despite the heavy barrage of fire, there were no confirmed hits or downed targets. While some reports claimed that four enemy planes were shot down, these were never verified, and there is no concrete evidence to support this claim. One supposed enemy plane was reported to have landed in flames at a Hollywood intersection, but it is unclear if this was a legitimate target or a case of mistaken identity. Regardless, the incident was a source of great excitement and fear for citizens of the mainland who watched from hills and rooftops as the anti-aircraft guns and searchlights lit up the sky in a dramatic display of firepower. The shooting finally stopped at dawn and the city emerged relatively unscathed, with the only damage being caused by the excitement of the event itself. However, this excitement also led to casualties with at least one death from heart failure, traffic accidents in the blackened out streets and shell fragments from the artillery barrage. The lack of success was frustrating for the military and civilians alike, who were left unsure of what they had just witnessed. The chaotic situation resulted in an atmosphere of confusion and fear, with reports of unidentified objects in the sky adding to the general sense of unease. Some people believe that the anti-aircraft guns were firing at a Japanese air raid, while others claim that the targets were actually extraterrestrial spacecraft. Regardless of what the targets were, the fact remains that the anti-aircraft guns were firing indiscriminately and without proper verification, resulting in tragic consequences. If anything, the incident underscores the importance of proper communication and verification procedures during times of crisis. This also serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of acting out of fear and uncertainty, as well as the need for clear and accurate information in times of crisis. Ultimately, the events of that night in Los Angeles are a reminder of the human cost of war. 
Following the Los Angeles air raid incident, attempts to arrive at an explanation for the events that transpired that night were far from straightforward. The conflicting eyewitness reports, along with the lack of evidence of enemy planes, left many puzzled and uncertain about what had happened. The Navy's swift response to the incident was to insist that there was no evidence of the presence of any planes, and Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox even went as far as to announce at a press conference on the 25th of February that the raid was a false alarm. However, despite this official denial, the possibility of future attacks could not be ruled out, and Secretary Knox also emphasized the need to move vital industries located along the coast further inland. The Army's response to the incident was less than straightforward, as they struggled to come to a definitive conclusion on the cause of the alert. Despite conducting an extensive investigation, the Army could not provide a conclusive explanation for what had happened. As more evidence and information emerged in the weeks and months following the incident, many people continued to speculate. Some conspiracy theories emerged, suggesting that the government was covering up evidence of a Japanese attack. Attempts to understand what had happened became just as mysterious and complex as the events itself. Shortly after the raid had ended, the Western Defense Command made a report to Washington that suggested the credibility of reports of an attack had been shaken even before the blackout was lifted. This message predicted that the developments would prove that most previous reports had been greatly exaggerated. While the 4th Air Force had initially indicated its belief that there was no planes over Los Angeles, the Army did not publish these initial conclusions. Instead, it waited a day until after a thorough examination of the witnesses had been completed. Based on these hearings, local commanders changed their view and indicated a belief that one to five unidentified airplanes had indeed been over Los Angeles. Secretary Stimson then announced this conclusion as the official War Department version of the incident, and he put forth two theories to account for the mysterious craft. Either they were commercial planes operated by an enemy from secret fields in California or Mexico, or they were light planes launched from Japanese submarines. In either case, the enemy's purpose must have been to locate anti-aircraft defences in the area, or to deliver a blow to civilian morale. Despite these theories, there was no concrete evidence to support them. The fact remained that the supposed attack on Los Angeles had resulted in no downed planes, and the reports of enemy planes were inconsistent and unreliable. This lack of clarity and the contradictory accounts only added to the confusion and mystery surrounding the incident. The lack of a clear explanation of the events by the Army and Navy departments only served to fuel speculation and rumours about what had actually taken place. Many people were left questioning whether or not they could trust the aircraft warning service and whether the incident was a real threat or just a scare tactic. The Los Angeles Times, in a strongly worded editorial, demanded answers and an official explanation for the events that had taken place. The editorial emphasised the need for transparency and clarity as the public had a right to know what had happened and what measures were being taken to ensure their safety. 
The concern was that the confusion and disarray caused by the false alarm would undermine the morale of the civilian volunteers who were working tirelessly to defend their city. In Congress, Representative Leyland Ford also expressed concern about the incident, demanding to know if it was a practice raid, an attempt to scare the population, or a mistake in identifying targets. His comments reflected the growing frustration among the public, who felt that they were not being given the full story. Wendell Wilkie, a prominent political figure, spoke out about the incident during a visit to Los Angeles. He offered reassurance based on his experiences in England during World War II, where he had witnessed real air raids. He emphasised that when a genuine threat occurred, there would be no question about it, and people would be aware of the danger. Despite these reassurances, the lack of consensus between the Army and Navy departments on the cause of the incident only added to the confusion and uncertainty the public was left to draw their own conclusions, and the incident continued to be a topic of discussion and speculation for years to come. Downed aircraft. The possibility of extraterrestrial life has long been a topic of fascination and speculation for many. In recent history, sightings of unidentified flying objects, UFOs, have increased, prompting the attention of the media, military and experts alike. Theories have been put forth to explain these strange sightings, with one of the most popular theories being that they are caused by weather balloons. However, as reported by military personnel and eyewitnesses, this theory may not be as plausible as previously thought. In one incident, reports of strange sightings in the sky were reported by military personnel. The initial theory that the sightings were caused by a rogue weather balloon was put forth. However, as time went on, the balloon theory became less plausible, as more eyewitnesses reported sightings of various aircraft in the sky. This development was perplexing, and it was evident that the sightings could not be easily explained. The situation became even more intriguing when there were reports of an actual crashed aircraft in the middle of the city. The Los Angeles Police Department, the US Navy and the Daily Paper all confirmed the crash, but no evidence of the crash was ever found. Stephen Nelson, an expert in the field, believed that the witnesses may have seen debris and embers falling from the sky as a result of bursting shells. However, UFO investigator Ben Hansen has a different perspective. Hansen suggested that if witnesses claim to have seen a craft downed, then it must have been picked up by someone before the military arrived. This theory raises more questions than answers, and it seems that the possibility of extraterrestrial life could not be completely ruled out. As time passed, another theory gained traction. The possibility of an experimental American aircraft crashing, too classified to be acknowledged by the military. This theory was based on the fact that the military had been experimenting with various aircraft and technologies, some of which were highly classified. 
It was speculated that the crashed aircraft was one of these experimental projects, and the military was covering up the incident. The possibility of an extraterrestrial life form and a highly classified American aircraft crashing both seem like far-fetched theories. However, the increasing number of sightings and reports, along with the lack of evidence to explain them, has led to more questions than answers. It is clear that the situation is not as simple as a rogue weather balloon, and there is more to this story than has been reported. While the truth remains elusive, it is clear that the possibility of extraterrestrial life and secret military operations cannot be ruled out. Only time will tell what really happened. But until then, the mystery of the strange sightings in the sky will continue to captivate the minds of many. Edwards Air Force Base has been a hub of technological innovation and experimentation for decades. It has been at the forefront of testing virtually every aircraft developed for the Air Force infantry. The base has been involved in testing a wide range of aircraft, from early innovations to supersonic and hypersonic to more modern-day stealth projects. Over the years, many revolutionary top-secret technologies have been developed at Edwards. According to Peter Merlin, a renowned aviation historian, the XP-59 and XP-80 aircraft were tested at Muroc, now known as Edwards Air Force Base, beginning in 1942. These aircraft were highly revolutionary and kept secret at the time. However, the line between top-secret experimental aircraft and UFOs can easily get blurred at Edwards. As reported by Merlin... There are a lot of projects that have taken place in the past that are still not declassified and remain a mystery today. The object reportedly seen flying over Los Angeles was reported as an unidentified flying object and is believed that a top-secret experimental craft may have been scrambled during the first reports of an attack. Some speculate the experimental craft may have crashed and had to be covered up to protect its vital secrets from the Japanese and the Nazis. However, Merlin finds this theory unlikely. He believes that such a secret project would have confined their activities to branches where the population was sparse. Despite the passing of time, Edwards Air Force Base still receives numerous reports of UFO sightings to this day. Some people believe that these sightings may be linked to top-secret experimental aircraft being tested at the base. However, the Air Force has stated that these sightings are most likely due to natural phenomena or man-made objects that are mistaken for UFOs. The Balloon Theory in the aftermath of the incident, the military was under intense scrutiny and the US government faced pressure to provide a satisfactory explanation. William Goss was a former Army Air Force major and a college professor who was assigned to investigate the incident on behalf of the US Air Force. His research was extensive and he was given access to all relevant military records. Goss concluded that weather balloons were responsible for the incident the evidence to support this theory was overwhelming. As previously mentioned, the barrage had supposedly been provoked by a balloon carrying a red flare, 
This was consistent with the military's initial explanation that a weather balloon had been involved in the incident. At least three officers testified that they had identified the target as a weather balloon. One of them chose not to fire after learning that a weather balloon had indeed been released by one of the regiments. His testimony was corroborated by a general who claims that two meteorological balloons had been released near Hollywood that night. This suggests that the military was conducting routine weather experiments in the area, which is consistent with the use of weather balloons. Furthermore, a balloon may account for the slow movement of the object observed by witnesses. Balloons are known to move slowly and erratically, particularly in strong winds, which were prevalent in the area at the time. Despite Goss's conclusions, some people still believe that the incident was not caused by weather balloons. Theorists have suggested that the military covered up the true nature of the incident and that it involved the recovery of an extraterrestrial craft. They point to the fact that the military changed its story several times and that witnesses reported seeing strange debris that was not consistent with a weather balloon. The slow movement of the object observed in the Los Angeles skies on that fateful night has always been a point of contention, particularly for those who believe that it was not a weather balloon that was being fired upon by the army. According to some eyewitness accounts, the UFO was travelling at a pace that seemed much slower than that of a conventional aircraft, taking almost half an hour to cover a distance of just 40 kilometres. However, the artillery units were criticised for not taking the slow rate of travel into consideration, which could have contributed to their failure to hit the target. Despite the explanations given by the military, the balloon theory still raises some valid questions. For instance, why did the army open fire on a harmless balloon? While some theorists may suggest that this was part of a larger cover-up, a more plausible explanation comes from former army colonel John Murphy, who participated in the investigation. In a 1949 article, Murphy claimed that the regional controller of San Francisco misconstrued the description of the balloon as a large enemy zeppelin and gave the order to open fire without proper authorization. However, one major question remains unanswered. How could 1,400 rounds of anti-aircraft ammunition fail to bring down a mere balloon? The lack of a satisfactory answer to this question has only added fuel to the fire for conspiracy theorists who suggest that something more extraordinary must have occurred that night. One possibility is that the object was indeed a weather balloon, but that it was carrying equipment or technology that the military wanted to keep secret. This could explain why they were so eager to destroy it, even if it was not a threat. The events surrounding the release of two weather balloons in the early morning hours of February the 25th, 1942, off the coast of Los Angeles, are shrouded in mystery and confusion. What is certain, however, is that the balloons were the subject of a massive barrage of anti-aircraft fire, which lasted for over an hour, and involved thousands of rounds of ammunition. What is less certain is whether or not the balloons actually remained aloft during the barrage, or were brought down by the intense gunfire. According to Colonel John Murphy, who was involved in the incident, both balloons floated away majestically and safely. This would suggest that the balloons did indeed remain aloft and were not to hit by any of the anti-aircraft fire. However, 
An unnamed air raid warden claimed that the firing was concentrated on a big bag that looked like a balloon, which was torn to shreds by the gunfire and slowly fell towards the ground. This account contradicts Murphy's assertion that the balloons remained aloft. There is also the question of whether the balloons were able to survive the barrage of anti-aircraft fire, given that they were both moving, both horizontally and vertically. It is possible that the balloons were hit and damaged by the gunfire, but were still able to ascend into the sky, despite the added difficulty of being a moving target. One possible explanation is that the weather balloons were indeed released and ascended into the sky as balloons tend to do. However, reports of the balloons may have been mistaken for a zeppelin, which led to the barrage of anti-aircraft fire. The first balloon may have been obliterated by exploding shells, or may have escaped by means of ascension. In the midst of all this chaos, a second balloon may have been released, and the whole incident started all over again. The smoke produced by more than a thousand explosions could have also contributed to the confusion and illusion of multiple targets. The acting commander's testimony that he initially saw a squadron of planes, only to realise that he was deceived by the drift in smoke produced by the exploding shells, suggests that the smoke created an atmosphere of chaos and confusion, which may have contributed to the uncertainty surrounding the fate of the balloons. The press responds. The events of the Battle of Los Angeles quickly garnered national attention, and within hours of the end of the air raid, Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox held a press conference to address the incident. Knox attributed the entire incident to war nerves and stated that it was a false alarm. He dismissed the idea that the Japanese had launched an air raid on Los Angeles, and his comments were followed by statements from the Army that next day that reflected General George C. Marshall's supposition that the incident might have been caused by enemy agents using commercial airplanes in a psychological warfare campaign to generate mass panic. However, some contemporary press outlets and members of the public were not convinced by the official explanation. Some suspected a cover-up of the truth, and the Long Beach Independent published an editorial that questioned the government's narrative, stating, There is a mysterious reticence about the whole affair, and it appears that some form of censorship is trying to halt discussion on the matter. Theories about the possible cause of the incident abounded. Some believed that invading airplanes and their bases were responsible for the air raid while others speculated that there was a secret base in northern Mexico or that Japanese submarines were stationed offshore with the capability of carrying planes. Some even suggested that the incident was either staged or exaggerated to give coastal defence industries an excuse to move further inland. In response to the doubts and suspicions, Representative Leyland M. Ford of Santa Monica called for a congressional investigation into the incident, stating that none of the explanations so far offered to remove the episode from the category of complete mystification. This was either a practice raid or a raid to throw a scare into the people, or a mistaken identity raid. 
or a raid to lay a political foundation to take away Southern California's war industries. One of the major criticisms of the military's response came from a scathing editorial in the Washington Post, published on February the 27th, 1942. The article condemned the military's handling of the situation, which it called a recipe for jitters. The editorial went on to criticize the military's stubborn silence in the face of widespread uncertainty, stating that the Army's theory that commercial planes might have caused the alert explains everything except where the planes come from, whether they were going, and why no American planes were sent in pursuit of them. The New York Times also weighed in on the incident, publishing an article on February the 28th, 1942. The paper expressed disbelief that the more the incident was studied, the more incredible it became. The Times asked why the anti-aircraft batteries were completely ineffective and why no American planes were sent up to engage or even identify the supposed enemy planes. The article also questioned what would have happened if the incident had been a real air raid. Despite these valid questions, the military were hesitant to provide a full explanation of the events that occurred during the Battle of Los Angeles. The War Department likely knew that answering these questions in full frankness would have revealed the weaknesses of the American air defences, which could have been a major propaganda victory for the Axis powers. According to one wire report, there were unidentified aircraft over the Los Angeles area early in the morning, which resulted in heavy anti-aircraft firing from different batteries and a five-hour blackout in Southern California coastal cities. Police in war production centres, including Long Beach, Huntington Park and Inglewood, confirmed the presence of planes. However, the Army announced that no bombs were dropped and no planes were shot during the incident. Another wire report depicted events thusly. Unidentified aircraft swept over the Los Angeles County coast in two waves early this morning and were greeted by blasts of gunfire that continued for nearly two hours. Police were investigating a report that an unidentified plane was shot down near 180th Street and Vermont Avenue, around 15 miles from the centre of the city in the vicinity of Palos Verdes Hills. A desk sergeant on the 77th Street station informed headquarters he had seen two planes fall from the cone of the searchlight beams after strenuous anti-aircraft activity. During the height of the barrage and while the entire coastline from Santa Monica to San Diego was blackened out, a number of Japanese were arrested on the Venice Pier for signalling with flashlights. Searchlights swept the skies and on at least one occasion caught a group of planes directly in their cone over Long Beach. Police who witnessed the episode said they could not determine whether any planes were hit by shells which burst all around them. The first flight came in over the coast at the point over Redondo Beach and apparently penetrated about five miles in the direction of the Municipal Airport and North American Aviation's plant before cutting to the south and disappearing in the direction of Long Beach. The second wave came in over Palos Verdes Hills and also swung south and out to sea near Seal Beach. Watchers on the rooftop of the United Press Bureau saw at least 30 searchlights sweeping the skies in a wide arc from Manhattan Beach on the west to the Santa Monica Mountains to the north. 
anti-aircraft searchlight batteries from all directions played on a single area. Long Beach police said planes were seen in the air. Residents of Palos Verdes on the hills between Long Beach and Manhattan said they heard motors of planes, but their sound disappeared after the guns went into action. The second anti-aircraft barrage followed the course of the first. It appeared to be an effort to locate and blast the unidentified planes. It started over the sea and followed a southeasterly course. The number of searchlights played varied upwards to 15. The second barrage appeared closer to downtown Los Angeles since watchers could hear the concussion of the guns more clearly and the flash of bursting shells was brighter. From the activity, it appeared the unidentified aircraft did not fly inland more than a few miles. The Long Beach Californian Independent also reported on the incident, but their report was unable to provide any more clarity. Mystery Raid Two waves of planes sweep over city as anti-aircraft guns roar. As Long Beach citizens shivered in the pre-dawn hours of this momentous morning war, with all its terrors and beauty burst over the city in full display. Two waves of unidentified enemy planes flying high and slow crossed over the entire perimeter of Long Beach, Los Angeles war zone. All anti-aircraft batteries in the entire area opened fire as scores of brilliant searchlights caught the mystery planes in their glare. Official reports state no planes were downed and no bombs were dropped. The first wave of planes came over at 3.15 a.m. This was exactly 49 minutes after the city was blacked out at 2.25 a.m. Again at 4.16, a second wave came over and again all guns in the area blazed into action. Watching from a rooftop vantage point, it appeared as though heat lightning was flickering on the ground as the flare of the anti-aircraft batteries reflected into the moonlit star-bright sky. No less than a minute after the guns started firing, the whispering, swooshing sound of shrapnel could be heard as it dropped over the city in a deadly rain. Sparks could be noticed as the shrapnel struck on paved street surfaces. It was a spectacle of tremendous beauty, with ominous overtones of sudden death. As the anti-aircraft shells burst into the air, virtually all of them appeared to be short of their objectives. What some people thought were enemy signals and flares were found to be on investigation tracer shells fired by army batteries. These were apparently in strings of six, eight, and twelve red balls of fire at a time. The news of the world, Wednesday, February 25th. Once again, Columbia's correspondents in world capitals and in the fighting zones in the Western Pacific are ready to give you the latest news direct by shortwave radio. And now for news of our own West Coast, we take you to Los Angeles and the report of Byron Palmer. Anti-aircraft guns went into action against unidentified aircraft in the Los Angeles area shortly after 3 a.m. Pacific wartime this morning. The anti-aircraft guns began barking during a blackout ordered by the 4th Interceptor Command at 2.25 a.m. The unidentified object which some sources thought might be a blimp, moved slowly down the Pacific coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of Long Beach. Army officials declined to comment on the possibility that the object might have been a blimp. 
However, it required nearly 30 minutes to travel some 25 miles, far slower than an airplane. Watchers on the rooftop of the Columbia Broadcasting Building in the heart of Hollywood could plainly see the flashes of guns and searchlights sweeping the skies in a white arc along the coastal area. Concussion of the shells could be felt in downtown Los Angeles, 15 miles away. U.S. Army planes quickly took to the dark skies, but whether they contacted the object has not been announced. Army officials say they will not comment until they receive a full report of the action. Although some watchers say they saw airplanes in the air, semi-official sources say they probably were the U.S. Army's pursuit. Several observers say they saw one or more planes spotlighted by 20 or 30 searchlights. The object moved southward, presumably over Huntington Park at the western edge of Los Angeles, and on southward to about Long Beach on the coast. By 3.30 a.m., observers said the object appeared to be over the south of Long Beach. Searchlights closely followed the object down the coast and kept it centered in their glare. Shells frequently could be seen bursting near the object, but none appeared to hit it. The shooting stopped about 3.30 a.m. The shooting brought warfare to the front door of this city of a million and a quarter population for the first time since December 7th. Already, it was alert to the presence off the Southern California coast of a Japanese submarine which had pumped 25 shells into an oil field north of Santa Barbara Monday evening. Because of the presence of the submarine, a three-hour alert was ordered at dusk last night, and civilian authorities stood at their posts while the Army and Navy continued their search for the submersible. The evening alert ended at 10.23 p.m., but another was sounded at 2.22 a.m., and the blackout followed within three minutes. It covered Los Angeles County from Santa Monica to Pomona. At 2.27, all Southern California radio stations were ordered off the air, except those in San Diego. Approximately 20 minutes after the firing died down, the ship returned and headed westward from Long Beach toward Santa Monica. The guns went into action again, hurling round after round of shells at the object. The second barrage appeared to be closer to downtown Los Angeles, since watchers could hear the concussion of the guns more clearly, and the flash of bursting shells was brighter. Then the ship disappeared for the second time over the ocean. We return you now to CBS in New York. In this first episode of our investigation into the Battle of Los Angeles, we have explored the events of February the 24th to the 25th, 1942. One of the most enduring mysteries of the Battle of Los Angeles is the famous photograph that appears to show searchlights and anti-aircraft fire converging on an object in the sky. Some skeptics have suggested that the image was simply a product of wartime hysteria while others have argued that it is evidence of extraterrestrial activity or some other kind of unknown technology. 
In the next part of our investigation, we will delve deeper into the eyewitness accounts of UFO sightings and explore the various theories that have been put forward to explain the events of that fateful night. We will also continue to examine the historical and cultural context of the Battle of Los Angeles, including the fear and uncertainty that gripped the United States in the early days of World War II. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of As Yet Unexplained, and that it left you both informed and entertained. If you found it interesting, please consider subscribing, liking and leaving us a review. Your support helps us reach a wider audience and ensures we can continue to bring you more intriguing mysteries to ponder. Make sure you tune in for the next episode of As Yet Unexplained. We're always on the lookout for new and fascinating stories to share, so if you have any suggestions or ideas, don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you again for your continued support, and until next time, stay curious and keep exploring the mysteries of the universe. Thanks for listening. If you are listening to this message, then the subliminal frequency has successfully calibrated to your mind. Do not be alarmed. I am here to advise you to explore the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is both a written series as well as a podcast. It explores various locations where paranormal and supernatural events have occurred. It is a broadcast on a forgotten frequency. Hauntings, Time slips, cryptids, cults, and more are investigated and examined. Enter a world designed by torch and moonlight. Go to occultariaofalbion.com or search Occultaria of Albion wherever you find your favourite podcasts. End transmission.